0: tears because a baby's <laughs> life has been revoked <laughs> the bond is broke got so choke and info guess all <laughs> my close up
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Gulf Coast Poker Podcast with your hosts, me, Gene D, and Wild Bill Phillips from Gulf Coast Poker. Uh, before we introduce our next guest today, Bill wants to go ahead and let us know what's happening around the, the Gulf Coast and the uh, poker tournaments that are coming up. Bill?
2: Yeah, so I guess we'll just plug our own event, which is going to be taking place March 17th through March 28th at Pearl River. Uh, We are very excited about it because we have tweaked it a little bit. We've added a high roller tournament uh, with a $1,500 buy-in on Sunday. We've added a day that will play through the Monday at the end of the, the series, talking Sunday the 27th, Monday the 28th. Uh, we've also added another 100K guarantee on Thursday, and uh, this event just keeps seeming uh, to grow bigger and bigger. So we're very excited about the new schedule. Can't wait to get back there.
1: Good deal. All right. Well, um, today's guests we have George Holmes, who came in second in this year's main event. Uh, George is from. Uh, Alpharetta, Georgia, and George, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, Gene. So. Good good deal. We're going to have to start out with the same question that we pose to all our new podcast guests. It's just, how, how did you get into poker, this subculture that we all find ourselves in? Everybody's got a story about how they got there. Go ahead and tell us yours. <laughs> yeah.
2: So uh, unlike a lot of, unlike a lot of other people, I did not grow up playing cards. Um, so cards was not a pastime of mine. Um, and so I didn't learn poker until, and I remember vividly, it's when I moved to Atlanta back in 1999 um, from New Jersey. Um, I started playing with some coworkers and it was just a, a monthly game. And, and the, the, the aunties or the, the uh the poker the game itself was a 25 50 cent game so very small wow. game um I remember early on using you guys remember the, uh, the the cards when you open a new deck of cards and had the little reference in there that tells you the hand value for poker for sure I remember I remember keeping one of those early on um, because back then we didn't it wasn't a uh, the house or the table calls the highest hand. If you didn't represent your hand, you you missed out. So okay, but yeah, that that was that was my start back in '99 in the twenty-five fifty cent game. I feel like that should be a rule in poker anyway. Like I, I hate it when you get to the <laughs> when people table their hands and they don't know that they've won. It's so frustrating yeah. when the, they get pushed the pot. Oh, yeah, Uh yeah. So you lived in, uh, you grew up in couple, couple large hands that way, Um, so it was pretty frustrating, especially when I wasn't winning early on. Right. Is what was the, uh, what made you catch the bug? Was it just the camaraderie of the home game, or was it winning some money after a little bit, or uh, was it one definable thing, or is just the social aspect? No, I think early on it was really a social aspect, and and I am a bit of a gambler. Um, growing up in New Jersey, spent quite a bit of time in, in Atlantic City, but just playing craps, roulette, blackjack, never poker. Um, so early on it was probably the gamble, the camaraderie, um, and back then in 99, this was before Holden really took off, so we were just playing like, dealer calls games, like what I like to call carnival games. Um, so probably it was another two, three years, four years after that when Hold'em kind of took off and it kind of morphed into a Hold'em, a weekly Hold'em game. And it was probably it was, it was around the time of Moneymaker, so you probably accredit uh, a lot of um, me getting in the poker and the uh, the lore to... Uh, moneymakers um, run back in whatever year that was yeah 2003 I
1: think um, yeah but you gotta you would have to say that you know a lot of people were pulling for you this year and that um, you know besides Darwin moon uh, I, I think you if you would have won um, you would have been or could have possibly been the next moneymaker maker, uh, to, you know a, yeah a, yeah, a, yeah. I mean, joe was, to win the, what may, what may the world series
2: i know that would have been uh that would have been interesting um but yeah it was it was unbelievable i mean the the following that i got and, and I, I didn't see the half of it um I was playing poker 12-plus hours a day, and then from there I was going back to the room, getting some rest, trying to sleep. So I didn't see any of the – a lot of the social media side of it and the the fans and all the people that were rooting uh, for me. Um, Other than um, back here in Atlanta, I know there was a a lot of folks that were pushing for me and a lot of coworkers and folks that I work with that were pushing for me. Um, and I just recall people saying, "Hey, you're like blowing up on Twitter and Instagram and I'm not a big social media guy, so um, there, there was no way for me to really see it at that point. yeah but even so let me let me rewind a bit let, let me ask you a, a question so you've played you've cashed in two main events you started getting interested in, and in hold them around 2003 with like moneymaker and stuff. When did you first think to yourself, I want to go play in the main event? Like, how did you, how did you have that thought and end up in the main event and uh, then cashing 2019 and um, obviously this run this year? Yeah, I think from the time moneymaker uh, won it, it was always sort of like a dream to say, Hey, I'd, I'd love to go play in that thing, but it, and I never really thought I would do it. Not that I would do it, but it it would have been cool to do, but it wasn't high in my, my list of priorities. Um, so it wasn't until probably just recently, maybe the last three or four years, um, with my current poker group, we've always just talked about, hey, it'd be cool. We all go down there and play. Just hang out and see what we can do. Um, so we kind of made a plan to do that a few years ago. First year was twenty nineteen. Of course, took twenty twenty off, and then back again in twenty twenty one. So, it just—I guess—it just kind of grew. Early on, it was kind of a hey, that'd be cool. Th- that'd be a cool thing to do. Um, where most recently in the past two three years, it's like, well, might as well go do it. Might as well try it. Two for two, huh? That's uh, pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I can top this, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens from here on out. But the, uh, the betting man would say uh, quit while you're ahead. Right. I don't know. Maybe you have a, uh, a, a knack for cashing the main event. I think there's a, a special <laughs> skill in playing that tournament versus other tournaments, and maybe it just suits your skill set. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see what, uh, what 2022 holds is there is there a desire to play more tournaments now with the success in those two big ones or um yeah probably um not a huge desire um i'd i'd like to if i can squeeze it in um so i i i'm still working i've not quit my job um so i'm still working and i've got two teenage kids so my uh my social life is pretty, uh, pretty busy around parting kids from soccer to baseball and basketball and all that stuff. So um, if I can squeeze it in and it makes sense and it works for my schedule, I will do it. Um, I do think um, some buddies who just made plans to uh, – there's a World Series um, circuit event and uh, at the end of february in cherokee that i'll go play um but outside nice. of that i haven't really made any other plans except of course the, the world series in july
1: how old are you kids
2: uh 13 and it'll be 15 in a week my daughter's 15 and uh, my son is 13.
1: D- does he does he understand the, the, what his dad did and
2: the <laughs> yeah, huge Yeah, accomplishment they both thought it was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. What's that? I said, that, you know, it was a huge accomplishment. It's like, you know, climbing a mountain that you, you did. Yeah, you they, they like thought it,
2: it was pretty cool. They enjoyed following it on TV and kind of tracking where I was in the tournament, uh, the ups and the downs. So they, they they thought I was a, a superhero, thought I was famous when I got home.
1: Yeah.
0: that, that That's yeah. awesome.
1: Yeah, Bill and I both have 12-year-olds, too. Uh, two 12-year-old boys, and uh, I imagine it would have been the same way if him and I would have ever gotten there.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's cool that uh, your children are old enough where they kind of got to experience it uh, with you you know like uh, if they're younger they may not really seen it and just kind of is a story but uh at at the age where they can appreciate it that's uh that's nice no yeah that's right that, that, that i that makes a big difference it was, it was it was very cool it was very cool but i said it wore off after about a week or two so now i'm just dad again so yeah <laughs>
1: <That's funny. laughs>
2: Well, we thought it might be fun, and uh, let us know if uh, if you're cool with it, if perhaps we walk through the main event, because I know that, like, day one, day two, there's a lot of different thought processes going on, and, and just kind of get your opinion of, of how it went. You know, I'm sure some of them run together, but, you know. Yeah. Um, so let, let's start yeah, with sure. day one. You're You're headed into it. You've already had this experience. I'm guessing you went to day five since you finished around 2.13 in 2019. Is that right? That's right. It's a day five? Okay. So uh, you're walking in. What are your expectations when when you're sitting down at the table? You feel confident because you've already been there, done that, or that same electricity everybody gets at the main? No, I felt good. I mean, you have the nervous jitters early on, but I think about 15 minutes in, Kind of see who you're playing with and the table you're at, and you kind of you kind of relax a little bit. Um, but I felt good going on going in. Um, Did you like your table draw? Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. I, I I actually I liked my draw every single day. Um, I think day three might have been one of the tougher tougher tables. Um, and it, I mean, there wasn't any one in particular person. It was just the way it played out and some aggressive players. Um, but it, it still ultimately worked out. But it was probably one of the tougher tables um, was day three. But outside of that, I loved the draw until we got to the point where they were putting us on uh, the, the TV tables. But I mm-hmm. just took a all getting used to. When you say you you loved it, what, what... – kind of players did you like having at your table the passive players or aggressive players or they they were passive players um so it, it kind of allowed me to kind of sit back relax I didn't have to mix it up too much unless I wanted to um mm-hmm. so that was day one and two and it wasn't till day three that I that I uh got some some aggressive players at my table nice so it, it gave did, uh, me the opportunity to relax and take my time. Did you look at your table draw starting on, like, day two or anything like that? Did you research players, or you just showed up and you just beat the eight no, guys around the table? Yeah, I did some research. And what's funny is even back in 2019 um, when I played my wife, every morning would send me a, like a spreadsheet of all the players at my table, give me the background on them, um, the, the hidden mob, uh, stats on their rankings, how much they've earned, all that good stuff. Um, so she she hooked me up in those regards. But, yeah, we, we, we did she, some research. She was your secret weapon. That's pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> that is cool. She was. Yeah. yeah, she was She was all over that, man. That's definitely her thing.
1: Did you wind up at the table with any uh, big-name pros? I mean, I know the, the guy that won it was is a German uh, super pro.
2: Any... Yeah, and actually, I didn't play with Karai until the final table. Like, we had never – I hadn't been on a single table with him. Um, big names. I played with um, Chase. Cornuth quite a bit. Um, I don't remember the exact days. It might have been like day five, six. Um, We played together quite a bit. Um, And um, Geez, why did I just lose the other guys? Redhead with beard. Um, Yeah, why can't I think of his name? It'll come back to me. But I played with Elkie or probably a round or two on like day four or five. Um, I think that's, that's it. As far as I know, of like the, the big names and then, uh, Chidwick, so, I think, for a little while, yeah, on day, amazing. day five or six. Well, let me ask you, um, something I had a okay run in the main one year. I've, I've did about like what you did in 2019. Um, and I had people doing spreadsheets and sending me the info and my cable draw, you know, each day. And uh, One thing that was weird to me was uh, sometimes I'd look at that and I would plot out what I was going to do based on the people's results <laughs> and who they were. And I found that, you know, some of the guys that I wanted to avoid, it, it was the act, exact opposite of what the stats were telling me. It was almost <laughs> like the guy that was my target like chewed me up and then the guy that was a really beard pro whether we you know it was just coincidences of what hands each had or whatever it was just the exact opposite i was almost like anything like that for you um yeah and and i don't i didn't i didn't use it to really target people i just kind of used it to kind of just to identify if they're like a a season pro, or if they were like me, just sort of a casual gamer. Um, yeah. Because I, I, I think that there's a difference in play and how you can approach them based on that. Um, so I didn't I didn't necessarily target people based on that, but I really just wanted to identify like what their what their uh, their history was as far as poker and if they were a pro. Um, and obviously, hey, if they cashed multiple millions of dollars in, in in tournaments over the years then I'd kind of be a, a red flag to kind of take it easy with them yeah so um what, when you entered for me when I went to day five I think we were all in one room for the first time and I remember walking in that morning and looking around there's two hundred 300 people, whatever was left. It was like, wow, one person in here is going to win the main event and I'm in here with them. Uh, Did you have a moment like that where you you were like, Whoa, this, this, this could happen. I mean, and how early was it? Yeah. And it was for me. So it wasn't as, I guess, definitive. So for me, early on, like, it felt, and I've, I've said this to a number of people in a number of different interviews, um, it felt different, like, weird, but in a good way. Like, something was going on. Like, you talk about table draws. I, I loved basically all my table draws, um, and I was playing well. I was getting good cards. Um And this was like day one through three, um, which is a rarity. Like day one was amazing for me. And then day two and day three were probably just as good, maybe not, but they were good. Um, So even that whole time, like day three, day four, when I'm just kind of chatting with my buddies, um, like this is is weird. Like I played in tournaments before and I don't just kind of, I don't typically run this well for this long. So it just felt a little weird in those regards. So that that was something that stood out. Um, but back to your original question, like thinking, hey, there's one person in here that's going to do it. Maybe it's me. I didn't necessarily think that. For me, it was my goal was to to first off top what I did in 2019. So the first goal was, hey, can I beat 213? I think it was. Um, And then once I got that, it was, well, let's just try and hang around for as long as we can. And then it it wasn't really until we got down to, like, I think we were trying to get to three tables before day. And the day is getting mixed up. But it was, like, trying to get down to three tables or something like that for at the end of day seven. And that was the goal, was, hey, let's get to three tables. And then once we got to three tables and I started chipping up a little bit. It's like, hey, let's let's freaking try and get to the mm-hmm. final table. Um, and, and so I I set like just kept moving the needle a little bit for the goals, but it was never to say, hey, let's win number one. Like I didn't I didn't think about getting first place until um, probably started thinking about it once we got to the final table. But I was still pretty low in chips at that point. Um, but as we got down to maybe four, five individuals, and then mm-hmm. that kind of crept in. Like if I if I get lucky, if I get on a little run, this is doable. But we were just getting, we were just getting abused at the final table by Haride because he had such a big chip lead. Um, so it wasn't until we dwindled that down and I was able to chip up a little bit that I really started thinking like this is this is doable.
1: Oh, but yeah. So he he was stealing so, all day long at the final table. huh? I'm sorry, say that again. I said I said he was he was abusing the final table. He was probably stealing oh. the position every chance he could.
2: Yeah, I think going in he had sixty percent, sixty five percent of the the chip count. So yeah. Uh,
1: we you know, mentioned day two. seven.
2: Okay. Go ahead, Gene.
1: When y'all were heads up, didn't you kind of, I don't know, I might have read something wrong. Didn't I, you kind I, of make a run? I
2: I did take the lead for a bit when we were heads up. That's it. I for a, a, a fraction of a second. <laughs> but, yeah.
1: Still, yeah, you still, know. I was a little
2: frustrated at that point, but, yeah. It, it didn't last too long, but, yeah. Well, I, I want to rewind a bit to day seven for, you know, there's actually a couple hands I might want to ask you about as well. But in day seven, you got down to just over one big, um, right? Like around half a million in chips. And yeah. did you feel like you were done at that point? Or did you know that you're, <laughs> I mean, or did you still hold on to hope that you might get hot and, mm-hmm. and, and stick around? You had life. No, honestly, I thought I was done. I mean, I thought it was over at that point. Um, I just had, I lost the big hand to Oliver. He had ace-king, I had king-queen. Um, that left me with under half a million. Um, the blind, the button had just passed me, so I knew I had a, a little while to wait. Um, so I sat a couple hands, um, and then there was one, the, the one hand that I ended up, uh, shoving with um, there was a raise um, small to big then there was a raise I had 9-6 I figure, hey if this is a multi-way pot then maybe I can triple up um, so I put it in um, fold on the small blind the big blind calls so it's three of us um, I think the, the guy, the initial raiser, had a pair of eights, flops a nine, turn nothing, and the river's a six, so I have two pair. Um, so that puts me at about a million and a half. So what, what's mm. pretty, pretty awesome that not a lot of people know is that immediately after that hand, I get the draw to move to another table. And the button's coming around to me, so I'm like, okay, at first, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm about to bust out. Why are you going to move me? Um, so I still got moved, million and a half at that point. I got moved to another table, and when they moved me, they put me immediately um, behind the button. <laughs> so I, I, I skipped the blind. So that gives me another round to play with. And from there, um, I shoved, I think, five times. Um, in the next hour and never got a call. Um, so I was picking up a lot of blinds and antes, and I quickly, I think within the hour, I was back up to like 12 or 13 million. So at that point, that's when I'm like, well, something's going on. Something's going something's, to something's happen. <laughs> then I, I read that you, Within 90 minutes you were up to 16 million and then by like 4 pm 32 million was it any big hands after that or still just kind of people playing a little tight and you, you getting through? Um, yeah there were there were a couple no major hands except for the one with chance um, where towards the end of the night, um, I'm at a different table. He gets moved to my table. Um and, and chance is is very aggressive and we had been playing together for a few days at that point. Um he he re raised or he raised um actually there was a he might have he might have three bet. I think he three bet, um, came back around to me, I raised again, he tanks a little and then he shoves, um, and I cough, got aces. And he's got ace king. Uh so wow. it flops an ace and then nothing else and and uh chance gets knocked out. So that that was probably the the one big hand that got me up to, to thirty thirty plus million. Wow. But yeah, that was that a was lot a of confidence, too, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. At that at that point that's when I kinda of figure, hey, I'm I'm definitely getting to the final table. Um it's just a matter of, of, of hanging on, but that that's probably the only uh, memorable hand um, during that period, other than me yep. just kind of making plays and and uh, shoving and taking down pots. So, did you think when you got to the final table that it was likely to be? Uh, Cori at the end or um, and you hope to be there with them or were there other players that you were equally concerned about I mean reg- you know, um, taking out a big chip advantage no it was, I, I knew all along it was going to be Karai. most of the other guys yeah. at that table I had played with at some point in time um, and it wasn't like I thought I was better than them I just knew that Cori with the lead he had there was no way he was giving that up um, without just getting super unlucky. Um, and there, I mean, there was, I mean, there were some good players, but I think for the most part, um, they were just, they, they were playing um, playing to the, the level up. And I think that's kind of one of the advantages I had, where, yeah, I wanted to level up. I wanted to get fifth, fourth, third, second place. To move up, um, but I also wasn't worried about getting knocked out because I'd already achieved my goal. So I think for a number of those players, they were more in the whole um, leveling up and trying to hang on for as long as they could, which I think was an advantage for me. So when you had most of your home game or all your home game there cheering you on at the final table is that right it was most of them yeah all but a few yeah. but yeah would they call you the best player at the home game or would they razz you and 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 not give you that distinction like how do you fare against them on the a <laughs> weekly basis um i I, I think going in they i mean they said it once or twice um that I probably wouldn't I'm probably the better of the home game crew, Um, but I I don't think so. I mean, I think it's any given day. I mean, anybody can win. Um, So you you have some that will say it, and then you have some um, that will refuse to say it until they die. Mm -hmm. Well, well, it's a different dynamic, right? Guys you know. It's a different dynamic with guys you know versus sitting at a table of eight people, you know that are fresh? 100 like, um, Yeah. 100%, yep. Yep. What were the big differences, like, you know, in terms of playing? Like, did you do things differently that you would never do in the home game or you would never do something in the home game in the, the main event? Was there a mindset you had? Is there any kind of research or um, studying you did beforehand? Um, I think the, the mindset – well it's definitely a big difference between the home game. Like there's there are things in the home game that I couldn't try and vice versa that just would not work. Um but I, I think in the in the tournament, um like I said, it's almost like uh had a controlled aggression at some some- at some uh at different at various times throughout the tournament, because I think a lot of people kind of tense up a little just mm-hmm. because it is such a large tournament, the buy-ins, um, I mean, it's $10,000 buy, buy-in. no one wants to waste that. Um, and I think just at points of controlled aggression um, works just because a lot of people, especially um, seasoned pros, they think, well, I can, I can outplay this 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 non-professional at any other point. So why do I need to gamble right now with them, even if they think they Perfect. may have the better hand? Not worth the risk. Um, so I think a lot of that played to my advantage. Um, where yeah, it would have it would have sucked to get knocked out uh, on a bluff, but in, in certain instances it'll work just because in a lot of their mindset, again, is risk versus reward. Yeah, that's great that you exploited that. I mean, you think back to that Sammy Farhan against Chris Moneymaker, you know, he said afterwards the reason he folded was that he thought he'd be able to get him another time, you know, like that epic plug that Moneymaker made. And I see what you're talking about, because when you play at a table, it's almost like the – the quote-unquote better player says, "Well, um, he might, uh, I, he might have. I might have him beat, but I'll get a better spot." Or the, the other side of the coin is, he's got to have it. This guy, you know, I don't know who this guy is. We're on day six of the main event, and uh, he can't be bluffing here, right? Like that. Probably, yeah. you probably played into that too. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that, that's that's 100 percent right. And look, it, uh, it, it awesome. works. It, it works until it doesn't, right? Yeah. So it, it, it worked, and the, the one hand that didn't work was the last hand of the tournament. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think I was bluffing the last hand of the tournament. Not to, not to kind of jump on you. Um, but he, he put two and two together. He determined his two pair was better than anything I could have had, and it held up. And like I said, it, that that philosophy worked until it didn't. Right? Yeah. So to talk about that hand a little bit. For let's maybe the people that haven't seen it in a while tell us um, how the hand played out. I mean, because that was a really entertaining hand to watch. Um, but I'll let you you talk about it first, then we can talk yeah. about. It. Yep, um, I raised, I've got king-queen, I raised, or I called, flop comes 10-7, I don't know what the other card was, so he ended up flopping two-pair. So I I let out continuation bet, Um, he re-raised, and I called, and I think this, there's some question around should I have called, and, and I definitely could have gotten away from the raise there. Um, but I think once I made that call, um, there there wasn't much turning back. Um, outside of me not shoving, there was no, I mean, I was either going to lose a big hand or, or, or lose altogether um, once I saw the turn, which happened to be a king. So yeah. on the turn, have top pair, um, and he karai checks. Um, I check karai checks, um, and then the turn is a um, is a straight card. Um, I think you would have had to have like queen jack in order to have the straight. Um, he bet out, sort of a blocker bet. Um, I think about it, think about it, and then I shove for the remainder of my chips. So there's a straight draw, but would have been an extreme backdoor straight, um, Parai tanks, and then, uh, ultimately he calls with his two pair. So I've got top pair and he's got, he's got two pair. And he went so what do you think about his, his blocker bet when he, when he fired that out? What did you think that signified? weakness, or, um, you know, I guess some people will do it to try and induce, but it almost felt like he didn't do that because if he was trying to induce you, you know, it seemed like he would have made a quicker call on the river, you know, maybe not. No, and I've seen a few interviews with him and he's answering that question. Um, and he thought he he was not trying to induce a raise. Um, Mm -hmm. he was trying to, or just, just sort of a blocker to say, Hey, maybe if I have something, then I'll just call. Otherwise I'll fold and he won't have to commit any more chips. But instead, um I shoved. Um but he said, Look, at that point he was um he had to think about it 'cause that was the that was the tournament at that point. We yeah. were roughly even in chips. Um and to his point, I mean I could have easily um had two pair I could have turned river two pair um so there's there's just no telling it was a tough call it was a great call yeah, but yeah it was as interesting the, as far as the the, the blocker bed itself um I I don't know at the time what I was really thinking um other than I was confident that my top pair was good um the way the hand played out. I mean, he re-raised me. My assumption was that he maybe had top pair, but then I got him on the turn with the king. Um, But he had two pair. So I I think I read that you said the longer he took, the more you began to doubt whether or not you had the best hand. You know, as players, we've all been in that spot where, you know, we we bet – it takes him a lot of calls, then you're like, oh, "Okay, I want him to call." And then it, it then there's this point where it takes him so long that you're like, <laughs> "Oh no, is he, is he thinking about folding a good hand here? Maybe I don't want the call." Is that the kind of the way it went? Oh, for sure, for sure. And I, I, I think what I, what I said too. I told some one of the interviews, um, and, and and look, Karai was a great guy. We had a great uh, camaraderie at the table. Um, probably halfway through that, he through that hand he looks up at me he's like this this might be it this might be the hand um and Mm -hmm. when he said that that's when i was kind of like oh shit (laughs) okay that makes sense yeah yeah watching you it didn't seem like that was going on you you had a very good disposition all the way through it like if you had that oh shit moment like i don't I don't remember seeing well, I, it I, you I, know was, I, mean? I definitely was not trying to show it because even when he said <laughs> that, I kind of looked at my rail like I gave him like the thumbs up like I got this, but in my head i'm like he you've got something decent here, so I don't know yeah but yeah, i was I was trying to uh project uh some strength at that point, but it was a it was an awesome call. Yeah, it was a fun – it was a really good run. Um, I know I enjoyed the the pieces I get to see online as it was going on. And um, we – like I said, we were all rooting for you. Uh, I wish the outcome had been a little different. I mean, that hand, you know, we mentioned the Farha moneymaker hand. You know, if he does make some hero fold there, that might have been, you know, the hand that would have propelled you to the top. Um, But he ended up, you know, finding the call. It is I agree with you. I've heard people say that it was an easier call, but I I don't think so with everything on the line and, and you know, kind of the same thought processes we've talked about before, like yeah, that's a hard call for them, You know? Oh yeah, for sure. I don't I don't think that's a snap call at all. I mean to your point you think when you throw out a blocker bet, um, you're anticipating either I mean, anything, fold call or even a raise, and at that point you've already made your mind up, but you you still at that point you gotta you gotta step back and think about it for a minute. I don't I don't think it was an easy call at all. Give yeah, us uh, some to... behind the scenes stuff. Is there anything that you, that we wouldn't see on TV or or not being there in person experience that surprised you mm-hmm. as you got to the final few tables or the final table or kind of the nuts and bolts of it? Um. Yeah, a couple things. I guess what surprised me, I mean, it makes sense now, um, is the amount of research um, these professionals do. And I'm not talking overnight research, and you got your wife sending you spreadsheets Mm -hmm. and stats. I mean, this is, they've got teams that are there in the room um, that are watching online. Um, They're sending back data about previous hands and, um the people you're playing against i mean they 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 can't do but so much because it's an hour delay um but they still have those folks there that are putting stats and data together for them which i I thought was pretty pretty interesting did uh, your team or or your home game buddies did anybody help you in that kind of stuff and tell you what was going on like an hour previously or yeah i mean i've had I had a few folks at home um that were watching online on t v that would just send me like a few a few texts here and there, but nothing to that level um yeah. and again once you once you get to the final table um you're not supposed to have your phone anyway, so you've gotta you gotta get up from the table and walk away if you're trying to check your text messages so it wouldn't be very efficient yeah But the other other thing that was pretty um, amazing is the number or the amount of people that were polling for me, which was really really cool. Um, Again, I'm not a big social media, so I didn't see any of that. People telling me, "Hey, you're trending," and um, so I'm I'm just starting to kind of understand. Or once I got home and people were sharing like tweets and Instagram posts and things like that, um, it was pretty amazing. But just, just in that room alone, I mean, especially as we got close to um, the final table and then at the final table, I mean, there were so many people there that were pulling for me. Um, and if if I have a regret, um, and trust me, I had no intention of making it to the final table or even coming in second, I don't have any regrets. But if I did, it would be not winning because of, not getting first place because of the number of people that were pulling for me. I mean, even even when I busted out, I mean, they had like the camera crew for Poker Go came up to me and they were like, look, you don't know us, but we've been following you all week. We really appreciate what you did and we were rooting for you and pulling for you and I just thought that was like pretty amazing. Um, and there were so many people that weren't in Las Vegas or in the casino doing the same thing. So it would have been cool to kind of kind of win for those folks, but yeah. Yeah, we have a, a buddy, uh, Joe Abair, who won the domestic main event last year, um, and then okay. I guess he lost ed, heads up to uh, Sol- Solace. Um, but he had that delay. It was almost like they went back to when they used to do the November 9, they take the months off. After he uh, yeah. played, they had to wait a while. So even though he didn't have many live people, he got to kind of, you know, enjoy that experience that you you were in the bubble, you missed out on it. He had those kind of three weeks to find out, wow, everybody's really on board with this. I think we got T-shirts made for them and, um, you know, a lot of the cool things that you can't do anymore when the tournament is just compact like it is. Do you think you would prefer it to – to come back and play like they used to do it, or you kind of like it as it is. Yeah, and I had this. I actually had the same conversation with some buddies, and I think for for me, I I probably would not change it um, just because um, I think I had some momentum going into it immediately, and you may lose some of that if you're taking a month off. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's definitely a benefit to doing that. I mean, you could actually, me as not being a professional, could have got some 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 guidance, some some coaching, um, because I tell you what, heads up is a totally different animal than playing eight or nine handed. Um, yeah, and it's and it's a grind. So it would have been cool to kind of get some coaching on that and um, maybe train a little bit on what the heads up play would be like. Um, mm-hmm. But I think for this year, for me, I would have, I wouldn't change anything, just because I think I had some momentum and there was, there was, like I said, there was something going on, something there, stars yeah. were aligned. So, so let's take it back to the home game a little bit, because uh, I think most of your poker experiences is the home game. I uh, always mm-hmm. love to ask the guests on our podcast, what's the craziest thing they've seen in poker? Because sometimes there's some just disc- Good nugget of a story, is there some crazy hand or something that's happened, some prop bet or something that's come up uh, playing the home game, or uh, it's pretty uh, vanilla. No, it's probably Anything pretty like vanilla. It's, yeah. it's probably pretty vanilla for me. There have been some wacky hands. Um, I'm trying to think of one. There was, and this was this was probably 12 or 13 years ago. Um, same game. Um, I was not involved in this hand, but it was probably the craziest hand I've ever seen um, where there was a top boat, four of a kind, and a straight flush in the same hand. Um, Wow. For that time period 15 years ago, 12 years ago, it was a big pot. I think it might have been like 3,200 bucks. I um, actually have a, a photo of that hand still, um, but that's probably the wackiest, the wackiest thing that I would have seen in the home game. I mean, we we've, we've done the seven deuce prop bet. Um, yeah, we we get a little goofy sometimes. We'll, we may do like a round of Hold'em and then a, a round of carnival games, um, but nothing nothing too crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame you didn't uh, have that hand in a casino because you're getting the bad beat jackpot. (laughs) (laughs) Those those two players are, for sure.
1: That's right. That is right.
2: But yeah.
1: All right, guys. Well, uh, George, we appreciate you taking the time to meet with us. We're almost right at an hour. Uh, Really, really interesting stories. and, you know, congratulations again on the V Pro. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having
2: me. Um, and I will definitely be on the lookout uh, for your future tournaments to see if it's something I can work into my schedule. So I'll yeah, keep you guys. That would be great. And, George, like I, I think I, I mentioned before, first uh, versus January, anytime you want to come and be the celebrity bounty, it's one of our smaller tournaments. But we've had Greg Raymer, um, you know, a couple of bracelet winners. We had Joe Abair, who I mentioned, the domestic main event champion. You know, that's um, always a fun time. That's a fun day and a fun tournament. It's on a Tuesday, which is kind of tough. Uh, I know you're a 9-to-5 guy. But, um, yeah, we'd love to have you. That would be awesome. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely keep that in mind. For sure. Yep. Yeah.
1: All right. I appreciate
2: you guys having me. See you guys. All Thanks right. again, Thank George. You. And I'll I'll be okay. in touch. All right. Thanks.